Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right. Ah! Welcome back to Conversations. Pardon that. I'm just getting in touch with my feral nature. That's the topic of today's discussion. We're joined with the illustrious Master Z. David Nick is back with us. Kung Fu master, martial arts master, something like that. So the feral nature of humans is very topical. We've been spending a lot of time discussing what's going on in the news. And people are freaked out. People are taking extreme measures. Some of my family members, some friends, they're not leaving their house or their apartment. They're trying to disinfect every single thing that they touch every five minutes. And if we think about our feral nature, it does serve a purpose. It's a survival mechanism. So if you go back to that primal part of the self, if we're in a threatening situation, if we have to do what we can to survive, then that switch turns on and we're going to run like hell or we're going to fight and we're going to make sure that we live another day. The problem that happens is that we've lost the ability to control that aspect of ourselves. So instead of coming out when we really need it, it's just triggered constantly. And we see it now with the COVID-19 and the absolute panic that has ripped through our society. We see it in nationalism. So if you look at politics going back over the last few years, whether it's Brazil, the Philippines, the U.S., India, there's this whole idea of us versus them. And there's a lot of rage and a lot of hate that comes with that without any thought about who our enemies are, why we hate them, why we don't want to spend more time getting to know them, recognizing our common humanity. And we see it one-on-one in situations with family and friends. And Z, as we were talking, people just go insane sometimes. When someone feels threatened, their behavior goes up to an 11 or a 12 on a scale of 1 to 10. I've seen this in personal relationships where at times you just can't talk to someone because they're so anxious, they're so overwrought with whatever issues they're dealing with. Whatever is happening in their mind feels like a threat to their life, even though it's not. It has nothing to do with their life or their death, whether it's a lawsuit, whether it's something going on at work, whether it's something going on with the family. It's not a life or death situation, but we treat it that way. And we have so much stress and anxiety around this that it wakes up that primal beast. And that primal beast loses its civility. It goes on the attack. It says hurtful things. It acts in hurtful ways. And these things have a cost. It's not something that that you can just get by immediately. When you start treating people in these ways, it damages relationships. It makes things very hard to repair. And it can drive families apart. It can drive societies apart. So this is something that I think is topical. It's imperative that we understand that we can recognize it in ourselves. And that we have the ability to discriminate between things that are actual threats and things that are just part of life. And things that are part of life that we have to deal with that are perhaps inconvenient, maybe we let go. We distance ourselves from that feral aspect. And we live with more gratitude. And recognize, yes, we have challenges, but it's not that big of a deal. We're lucky to just be here, get up, and breathe. So that's the topic for today, our feral nature. And David, maybe we'll start with you. How have you seen this manifest recently, as we've gotten about this whole coronavirus pandemic? I think uh, in in martial arts, one of the, 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 in all martial arts, is the aspects of that yin and yang. And I think that in our... In our culture and society, we um, we either bottle up our feralness, or we use the bottle to release that feralness in a couple of hours at night, and then deplete it, and then go about the day bottling it back up and bottling it back up through all of the inability to communicate with each other, 
and express ourselves and be our true selves with other people because of social issues or work-related issues or whatever, or family issues, well, I can't speak to this person, and then go back to the bottle, whatever it is, let it out that weekend, and then repeat, rinse and repeat. So in, um, in, in martial arts, one of the most important aspects is to, is full expression. It's expressing your heart and letting out that aggression but in mm-hmm. a controlled environment and learning how to handle your aggression, uh, that feralness, but using the feralness to, as, as, a, as a tool for yourself instead of it being just this rabid animal that comes out uncontrollably. So um, I, I think we've veered away from it, which is one of my issues sometimes is that we went from traditional martial arts being the staple of how to raise a, a young man, a young boy or girl to a young man or young woman to UFC or MMA stuff, which is just get in the cage and beat each other up, right? Mm-hmm. No spirit, no soul, no mental, just physical. And then that just feeds that feral animal inside constantly. You know, they go in and then they're in the Roman Coliseum and they're waiting for their bread and they want to see the blood spilled. And it's just feeding more feralness constantly over and over again. And then people in traditional martial arts are laughed at or mocked. Oh, well, what are you going to do with this slow-moving Tai Chi? Are you going to hurt me somehow? They don't understand that this is a, it's a personal journey to make us better people. But I don't know. We're in chaos. Yeah, yeah. such is the world that we live in. <laughs> yes. No, having that awareness, that self-awareness is critical. It gives you some time. And some space to stand back from whatever stimulus you're taking in. And you can respond to the situation appropriately. So we've talked about this. In fact, see, we did a podcast a while ago. Maybe it's a year at this point Mm -hmm. on primalism. And we talked about the different aspects of the brain. And how the visceral loop is broken in a lot of people. And that visceral loop is the ability to have situational awareness really objectively assess what's going on, understand whether it's a threat or it's not a threat. And without some connection to our world and some presence, because to have that visceral response, we have to be in the moment. So if we're not present, we just have this fantasy playing out over and over in our mind. That fantasy is untethered from reality. Mm -hmm. It can go anywhere. It can lead to fear. It can lead to panic. It can lead to rage. Why don't you spend a little bit of time revisiting that? Because I think that is an important building block for this for the reason why we become feral. Well, yeah, going back to what we talked about a year ago and, and, and revisiting that a bit, the primal self, you know, as you said, it plays a role in, in our the evolution of our survival. For modern people, it, it holds less of a significant role. The threats are just not there. Well, one of the problems with that, because those threats aren't there, <clears throat> the the... The front of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, the imagining, our ability to imagine threats are bigger than what the threats really are. Um, We're listening to a constant news feed. That might as well be a T-Rex scratching at your door like some scene out of Jurassic Park. Um, The imaginings in our head as we listen to the news, it might as well be Godzilla shaking the earth, coming to bite you or the smell of a large lion within feet of you. That's how people are behaving. And that same intelligent part of us, lacking the visceral loop, lacking the feedback of actual sensation, environment, texture, environmental input, makes us batshit crazy. So we're not only taking precautions. We've crossed the line and we're damaging ourselves. It's like a feral animal that you're showing a horror movie to in a cage in a laboratory. I remember an experiment they did years ago to see how dogs and cats and all this stuff responded to these kind of horror movie inputs. And some of the animals would beat themselves to death against the walls of the cage. That's what we're doing. We're disinfecting ourselves so much, we're probably damaging our immune system. 
you know, the immune system needs to fight something for it to be strong and to get a sense of its environment. Imagine that we've sterilized ourselves, we're bleaching ourselves, scalding ourselves, hydrogen peroxiding ourselves. God knows what's in these different uh, hand sanitizing things that we're doing to an extreme where we're stripping the epidermal layer and the natural bacterial layer off of our skin. So even if we don't get the kofifi, we get something else. Maybe we get a mold transfer from bread we're eating that we normally wouldn't get. Uh, we're worried about the chain of handling our food to the point where, do you forget, aren't you cooking your food? Killing, what's the germs? So we're going to just kill even the nutrients in the food? But when you're in a feral state, you're just fighting. You don't even know what you're fighting anymore. And the only thing we can identify with is the other, those who aren't clean, those who aren't us. Because we know we're clean. I know I'm super clean. Don't know about you. You mean Caitlin or me? Any of you. You're, you. You might be dirty. You're dirty people. And maybe you should all be dead because I need to survive because you're dirty people and you should be dead so I can survive. And of course, even your corpse needs to be disposed of so it won't infect me so I can survive and go back to the mall real soon. <laughs> this is how crazy we've gotten. This is the feral nature. It's like a, a, a wild animal caught in a trap that eats its own leg off. We've suspended any type of reason and thinking, even those who are intelligent and think they are. Do you walk around every day that afraid? Are people, because none of this is suddenly popping up, it's just bringing out what's under the surface anyway. Is that why we hoard so much? Is that why we check the Tao every day? Because we're so afraid? Well, the Tao's collapsed, everything's gone, it's gone, your money's gone. It's collapsed. Whatever was in the spookosphere, uh, you can speak to that better than I can. But it sounds like the spookosphere to me. Um, it's all gone. Now are you gonna? What's gonna happen today? Are you gonna die today? Are they gonna come and get you? Who is they? And I, I don't. It's, it actually happens because some people kill themselves. Yeah. During the 2008 financial collapse, there were a lot of people who committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Same thing in 1987. That's right. And same thing in uh, 29. Jumping right out the window. I'm sure the same thing now is happening. We're killing ourselves. Didn't have a couple suicides in Santa Monica? Jumping right off the parking lot on 2nd Street? Yeah. People just jump right off the parking lot on 2nd Street. Three because times. their world is, again, there's no visceral loop. Their life isn't life. What they feel and touch, taste, interact with, caress, isn't living. They're living in space. They're living in the ether sphere. So we're living in this kind of ether sphere. We're not even alive. It's, it's very uh, <clears throat> cryptic. It's just out of scripture. There are people walking and though they breathe and their heart beats, they're not alive. Because they're looking for something else. So all you have to add to is, look, this virus is nature just rearing its head like a volcano, an earthquake, a disturbing of the natural forces, which is part of nature, a shake-up, the forest fires that wiped out the forest. Remember those? Remember the forest fires we had not so long ago that blotted out the sun? If you drive through those areas now, what do they look like? Beautiful, just beautiful and renewed. That's called nature. There's a thing called nature that's present right here. It doesn't have anxiety. It doesn't worry about the past or the future. It just does what it does. See how clean the air is since the Kofifi and people aren't driving? Take a deep breath. That's called fresh air. Harmonious breath. Unburdened by all sorts of soot 
and carbon. That's what it's supposed to be like. Yeah, my aunt in New Delhi was telling me this is the first time they've got pollution <clears throat> under control. Yeah, and that's something. Yeah, yeah. You just have to restrict movement for 1.3 billion people. Not only, I think, even when we talk about yeah, we restrict it, but how about not have 1.3 billion people living on top of each other, everywhere, but anywhere? I mean, we need to. I don't know. I can't say what people need to do. I'm I'm not afraid of this. Um, we're talking about the feral nature where people have. Uh, are like animals trapped in a trap that's eating their own leg off. We're just lost. So let's explore this condition a little bit more. When I look at it, we talk about the lack of a visceral loop. We talk about the mind spinning out of control. I think about the ego, and it almost feels like it's a desire to assert control, to get rid of any possible risk, to arrange the world exactly the way you want it. And when you can't do that, you keep on trying and you keep on engaging in destructive behavior to get as close as possible. So there's no trade-off. There's no sense of this is enough. I've taken reasonable measures. It's I have to have complete control. I have to eradicate every single pathogen that might possibly exist. Globally, it's we have to shut down the global economy to get our arms around this and make sure that people aren't going to die. And how much of this is the spinning? It comes from just our desire to control or desire for perfection and the ego, because in my mind, the ego is something that's never satisfied. So the ego, it's all about more, 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 whether it's more money, more food, more sex, more likes on, on Instagram and Facebook. The ego exists to bolster the it's individual sad. self. Yeah. Yeah, up and turn whoever is behind the ego into some living God who just lives above the rest of the world. So how much of this is a manifestation of the ego and a lack of a reasonable check on the ego so it just spins out of control and says, no, I'm going to get this exactly right and I'm going to keep on going and I'm going to keep on banging my head against the wall even if I kill myself until I get this perfect. Well, Vin, you're... you're kind of answering the question itself <clears throat> but going back to the feral nature movement frenetic movement just constant movement is a sign of base savagery just savage uncivilized that's the animal nature and then we try to interpret that movement in the intellect as some form of control or progress or doing something so we've turned that running into running in circles, bouncing your head off against the wall. You could see that in lab animals. Under distress, lights are on, you deprive them of sleep, put them in a constant state of panic, and they just run. They don't know where they're going. There's nowhere to go. They're just running. So for us, we do that in endless movement. When you see, you can always measure your own feral nature by how hard it is to be still. Let's finish a task and pause. Let one of our tasks be no task and be still. And watch how crazy we get. Just watch how crazy you get. Some people won't even try that being still. The cure to most ailments is rest and stillness. But very few people want that, so they look for a pill or a treatment or a supplement or a surgery when the cure is actually to be still. I was telling you the other day about the elbow thing, right? Your elbow's hurting. I said, well, it needs to be still for a period of time and then reintroduce gradually movement and then limit that movement to a particular body of task and exercises. That's therapy. They call physical therapy. You know the hardest part of that formula is being still. So our higher consciousness is nurtured by stillness. That's what, that's what we want to achieve in meditation, is to be still, to be in between the past, and present, and future, to, have, to be in that dwelling place. In spiritual books, they always talk about dwelling in the house of the Lord. 
Let's just be here in samadhi, ecstasy, just right here. So our inability to be there is part of that feral animal low nature, the low nature of just in panic, running, running. And there are people who do that when there's nothing to panic about. They just can't sit down. But you know, when you're sitting down and recovering, that's anabolic. That makes you stronger in movement when you've been still. That makes your mind have more uh, the ability to find clarity and resolve when you let your brain rest. So the feral nature is a constant looking for panic. If I keep moving, I'm okay. If I just move around, I'm just not where I was. Wherever I was isn't safe. Wherever it is, it's not safe, so i got to keep moving. So you're jumping from playing to like a frog in a pond, jumping from lily pad to lily pad for fear that a bird will get it. So I just keep moving. I just keep moving. I just keep moving until I'm too exhausted. And then the bird waits anyway for you to be too exhausted to move. Then watch your patterns of movement. That's how it hunts sufficiently. Mm. Real easy. I'll go get him at lunch. I'll eat him at noon. I know his patterns. So we think about that feral nature in us, is that there's this endless running about, looking for problems. Another way you can look at it, if you, people can't sit still, what about if you have a problem, let's say whatever that problem is, and you fix the problem, and then you're looking for another problem? Again, check yourself. You have a list of problems you start your day with. Well, I got to get the car washed, I got to get this, got to get that, blah, 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 whatever it is. Check off the list, and once you're done, take a look at your day. See if you can sit still, or do you look for another problem? And then find the way you resolve it is once you figured out that you had you fulfilled your list of things that day. Now your dwelling time. What do you do in your dwelling time? When I say stillness, that doesn't necessarily mean physical stillness. There's no stillness in our known universe. Everything is in some kind of vibrational harmony. What if you took that time out to meditate or contemplate? Or go zen. Go do your garden. Something that really pleasant that doesn't matter one way or another just for the sake of pleasure. I ask people oftentimes when <clears throat> they're on a wellness journey, what are your hobbies or interests? You'd be surprised at how many people don't have hobbies or interests because they're constantly looking for a threat. Isn't that interesting? One of the higher levels of our intellectual evolution is hobbies and interests. Isn't that something that people that have no hobbies or interests? So they are more susceptible to the feral reaction. They're more susceptible to the phantom demons that are constantly about, to the boogeyman. Even so-called smart people. They're more likely to run from the boogeyman if they don't have hobbies or interests. Isn't that something? It's just what I found. Z, you're describing this frenetic movement and movement for the sake of movement. And we talked about the visceral loop. It's a lack of recognition that things are okay. Life is fine. Yes, there is some risk. There are dangers that we face every single day. We aren't going to be able to eradicate them. We aren't going to be able to manipulate the world so that it exactly matches whatever idea we have in our mind. And we have to accept that. And when we don't accept that, we just go insane. This, this constant movement, this constant churning, it's not just the activity. It's the mental spiral behind it where we think, oh my God, everything's going to fall apart. I've got to do more. What about this? What about that? We look to other people for reassurance. So we have conversations and oh, suddenly we feel better. Thank God I'm not going to get the virus. Thank God the stock market's not going to collapse. Then we go home and then we read some newspaper article about how the economy is tanking. Oh God, what's going to happen to my money? Let me do something else. Let me have some more conversations. Let me check out the Dow and make sure it's not falling. Oh, wow, it's going up. Oh, crap, it's falling. 
it's this constant spiral oh, and the spiral. I'm getting a stomach ache just hearing it. Yeah, and the spiral engenders more movement, and it's this continuous frenzy. And in that continuous frenzy, there are a couple of things that happen. So one, we completely exhaust ourselves. It's extremely draining mentally and, and physically. Mm-hmm. Two, it's unproductive. So the time we spend doing that, we could be doing something else. And through to your point, and I think this is really fundamental. We've talked about this offline. It dishonors life itself. So when we think about life, you're so big on gratitude, and I think you're absolutely right for preaching gratitude. Gratitude is an antidote to all this. Gratitude is also something that anchors us in the present, in what's happening right now. It's situational awareness. It's a checklist. Am I okay? Am I healthy? Am I fed? Am I clothed? Is anyone running after me? No? All right, great. I'm going to enjoy the time that I have. And without that, when we're always in this frenzy of looking backward or looking forward to what could happen, we're not living. You've said this before, life happens in the present. And if we're not present, we are not living. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the favorite things I have of all the quotes and discussions that we've had together. So the worry and the fear, it's ironic because a lot of times we think, oh, I, I love life so much. I value it so much. I want to do everything I can to protect myself. Your view is the opposite. Your view is if you do love life, fucking go and live it. Don't live in this cloud of anxiety and fear and confusion because you're not living. You're not taking advantage of this precious gift. And we just become these legions of the walking dead. You're absolutely right. And, and, and as you were talking about this, Vin, I was thinking about the the topic of the feral nature of people. And how do you come back or grow into a human being? I would say that anybody who's listening to us, ask yourself, are you satisfied with your life? And if you're not satisfied with your life, what would bring you satisfaction? What are the two, three, four, or five things that would make you satisfied? Where you could say, I'm content now. This is good. That's an exercise you can do. That's a prescription for healing the rabbit possum in your heart. That's the antidote. Are you satisfied? And you can think about it. What would lift your spirits? What would, what would bring you joy? And you wouldn't need anything else. What would, what would bring you contentment? You wouldn't need anything else. As an individual, as a family, as a couple, what would make things okay? And it, just a few things. Then you look at that and you go, wow. Life is really simple. And it doesn't take much. I remember hanging out with people who were, were, were thrill seekers, right? I, tell, I told you a story about an old girlfriend I had who was really into thrill seeking and you know, doing bungee jumping off bridges and wanted to you know, parachute and all this kind of stuff. And, and the girl was cute. I think I've told this story before. She was attractive, sexy. So she would do stuff and want me to go with her. And, and part of the price of dealing with her was to go on these different things that she wanted to do. You know, as guys, you know, you got to put up with certain things in order to, have, you know, have your own pleasure. So <clears throat> remember she got upset with me. I have it on video somewhere else. She's really upset with me because we're on a plane and uh, we're going parachuting. And I fall asleep on the plane. I'm taking a nap. You're like, God, aren't you excited? This most exciting thing in the world are you? I say, really, it isn't. When I was in the military, I had to jump out of planes, um, parachute, stuff like that. It's part of my job. I would rather just uh, kind of like be in a quiet place with you because you're really cute and I'm a dude and you're hot. But I got to do this so that you know, you'll be more welcoming of me. She was so mad. But really, her life lacked. She lacked that thing, that gratitude, that ability to look at life and be grateful. And so she felt empty 
So she felt by risking her life and being near death that it would give her a rush. You know, you hear people say they're looking for a rush. I want to go bicycling off cliffs and this kinds of things. They say, oh, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what real living is until you face death. Actually, we're facing death every day. The sun's a nuclear reactor right there in front of us, right on top of our head every day. Wakes us up every morning. A nuclear reactor. We're facing death every day we're alive. And if we just can appreciate life, that's why people said just watching plants bloom is amazing. Used to get pissed off at the the, the gardeners, right? Now I'm growing stuff. I'm like this is amazing. I get I'm just thrilled that my my cauliflower is showing up. Because I really appreciate life. Because I know death intimately. I know the emptiness of life. The opposite of life is death. So for those of you who weren't around and then now this is the virus, there'll be something else. There'll be another thing. And there'll be something that hits you even closer to home. There'll be a loved one. There'll be an injury. But right now, you're okay. So take stock of life. Our lives right now are pretty good. You're not scrambling for food. You're not in a knife fight for clean water. None of that's happening. You're not walking around with a garret looking to slit someone's throat for their roll of toilet paper. You're doing okay. Life's sweet right now. It's sweet. It's really sweet. It's like ambrosia right now. You're worried about your neighbor sneezing or coughing on you. So you've got a condom on your head and surgical gloves up your, all over your feet. You're dirty. We're all dirty people. And we have immune systems that if you take care of them, will give you a fighting chance. But a fighting chance to do what? When you survive the Kofifi or whatever it is tomorrow, what will you do with that life that you just survived? You just went through the battle of the bulge. You just survived the Ashaw Valley. You just survived Iwo Jima. You made it one more day without the virus. But tomorrow, what will you do? Will you party? Will you celebrate? Will you gather your loved ones together and have a wonderful meal? What will you do? Or will you go back into it again and, and hunker down and look for another battle? Yeah, of course. You find something else to worry about. As soon as Sorry. one thing leaves, something else comes in. Not living. we got to ask ourselves, am I satisfied? It, it seems that just like everything has almost slowly been tailored towards that aspect of, again, like suppressing the feral. Like even those, um, those new gyms that opened up, Planet Fitness, mm -hmm. you can't make any noises when you're lifting weights. Like they'll throw mm -hmm. you out. I heard you can't wear clothes there that might make other people feel yeah, like they're out of it shape. It makes no sense. How can you lift heavy weight and not make a grunting noise? Because it's strenuous. So you're telling people not but don't, to... But don't they have a clothing thing so that other people coming yes, won't feel intimidated by your level of fitness? Yes. And, and, and so what are they saying? They're saying so to so just pick enough weight that you don't exert yourself past your point. So even there, don't let out any... Let her, don't let out your feralness and let it express itself so it can, can't be expressed in the real world. Not even at the gym you're allowed to express your failness. Well, this is a really interesting point because <laughs> you see this at the gym. You see this all over. I see this at work all the time. Everyone's got their corporate face on. Right. There's certain things that you can't say. God forbid you're sexually attracted to someone that will be kicked out of the company. And all these interactions are in very polite terms and then people step back and you have conversations outside of work where you just complain and unload <laughs> and bitch about how horrible everyone is. And... It was interesting because I realized this maybe 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. The other aspect I'll just mention, there's no walking around. So you sit at your desk in front of a computer and you're just fucking depressed. I mean, like physically depressed, emotionally depressed, drained from a never-ending series of meetings and calls. And so I used to get home and I don't feel like absolute shit. And I don't think, what's wrong with me? Why am I just not cut out for work? What is this? And then... Over time, I realized that it was really the conditions in place, that I wasn't able to naturally express myself. Physically, I wasn't getting up, I wasn't going outside, I wasn't walking around, 
I was restraining myself. I was always censoring what I said. Oh, God. I was in nonstop meetings and oh, went nowhere. Stop, I was just stop. a good just drain like of the, energy. The, 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 the like the death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, and, yeah. and then you're exactly right, David. You get home, and there are two things to do. Either you can repress further, or I guess the way I think about it is that you can let this energy out almost like air from a balloon, <laughs> and you can let it slowly dissipate. So you can do things like binge on Netflix, or you can go to a bar. That's what people do after work, happy hour. Let's go and... uh, Happy hour. Yeah. Just think of the way that sounds. So what are the other hours? It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the other hours are. Oh, my God. They're irrelevant. Well, look, what we're going to... We can go down this rabbit hole for a long time. This is a whole other discussion. Uh, But it's the drinking, it's the self-medicating... It's just the tuning out, the mindlessly flipping through your phone so that you burn off all that energy and you can't sleep, you take Ambien or whatever. So you're right. I mean, there's this force inside that needs to be expressed. And when it's not expressed, it's very destructive. And then we take steps to suppress it further or allow it to dissipate. And that has other problems. So maybe one of the basic solutions is we need to get back in touch with that primal self so it doesn't explode. I don't know what you think about that. Well, yeah, that's life. What you're describing is the suppression of life. Mm. Not only the suppression of life, but the disguising of life, where we don't even know what living is anymore. I was listening to you say that, and I could, I could just feel lit in a cubicle somewhere in a, in a sealed room with behavioral restrictions and standardizations of behavior I was just listening and I just got sick. I got physically ill and I felt like that person that gets in, a, in an elevator and there's this weird music playing and you, ha, ha, and at any minute you might just start killing everybody in the elevator because you've repressed this beast so much that it, it comes out in an infected way. you got to filter your face too on, on, on photos. Right, yourself. I'm, I'm listening to this. And then even the term, happy hour. So you get one hour to be happy? Is that what? I don't know what that means. No, man, happy hour goes from a, six to eight. It's, it's actually a couple two, hours to get drunk. Two That's happy it. hours. Right. So everything else is misery hours. Right. After work. Hell day. Right. And hell day ends with happy hour. So we've, we've accepted that. And I, I won't accept it. I don't accept it. I'm an outlier. We're opt-outs. And, and I want to speak to people and, and just you got to step away from that and redefine yourself wash yourself cleanse yourself take a long hot shower and disinfect yourself from these ideas because it's led us to this this is what it's led us to that's an interesting point Vin, about happy hour i just got back to the concept of smartphone mm. right so what's the opposite of happy hour hell day so we're almost training ourselves to think that well, work was hell, because I have now two hours of happiness. Uh, and and so we can have more than that. We can be content. The greatest form of happiness, according to the Vedas, is contentment. To be content with your life, even as you're going through the toils and the chores of your day, even as you're rendering unto Caesar that which is, which is what I refer to as your work day, which your penances you have to pay to, to support your family and, and your, whatever way you hunt, to provide, but also having a clear at it, being clear in your head that that isn't the only thing that defines you. That mm. after this, you have a whole life you can live and be happy with. But I go back to this. Are you satisfied with your life? I don't mean that you're over the top and everything is just the way you want it to be. That's not real happiness because there'll always be something else. But back it down a few notches and say, am I okay? Am I happy? And how do you nurture that plant? How do you nurture that one that's giving back to you? The thing that brings you joy and contentment. And I say little things like if those who are partnered up and those, let's say, let's say take people who are single and they're just on their own. Do you do things every day that at the end of your day, you felt good about. Whatever it is, you worked out, you exercised, you connected with people you like, or you did something you feel good about. And that's a good start because it opens you up to connecting and finding other like people. And for those who are partnered up, what are the things that you could do that 
reinforce and nurture and tonify that partnership. Simple stuff. Uh, being very careful about externalizing your happiness. We don't need more stuff to be happy. There's a chemical response in the brain when you're buying shit that triggers a whole bunch of other stuff. So just looking and saying, hey, what would be I could do with my partner that would elevate and maintain and tonify our relationship? Community-wise, being around, we did a big Tai Chi class today online, and it was so nice to see all the people with shared ideas and the people I didn't know, and there were people that I had been knowing for 30 years, 20, 30 years. It was such a good feeling. And I saw <clears throat> the students of one of my students, and, and because of the way that the device was uh, filming, all I could see to a degree was movement until I blew up the screen. So I saw one of my students, and I thought was one of my students, I blew up the screen, it wasn't a woman I didn't even know, it was my student's student. And I felt like a proud grandparent. It was like, wow, I've never met you. And you moved just like a person that studied with me, who shared this with you. You know, it, it doesn't get much better than that. I'm very satisfied that I was able to share something that lifted the quality of this person's life. So I could go take a nap. Go, wow, that was great. I did a good job. That's where we, 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 we really do well. That's sustainable. Mm -hmm. But if it's always more, 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 and you never, it, it's not sustainable. Just burning you out. And you're in this constant fight or flight, more, more, more. If I get one more thing, I'll be okay. If somebody behaves a certain way, I, my life will be better. So you've taken and, and given away your life to the phantoms, right? To the, the faceless committee and all the, the ghosts along with them. So I'm saying, relieve yourself of those hauntings. Uh, kind of divest from this craziness. We're going to get through this thing. Um, there will be... Living on Earth uh, is hazardous. Being alive is the opposite of being dead. And all while you're living, you're headed towards death. So take comfort in knowing that. And just relax. Enjoy each other's company. There are risks in life. Even if you take no risk, there are risks. But if you are constantly looking for risk to avoid, you have to hunker yourself down in a cave and wall yourself in with just a filtered peephole for air to come through. You know that? Yeah. What kind of life is that? Yeah. Life becomes darkness. Slow suicide. You know, people, people can just... Just, you know, at least have a level of um, metering their input from, at least for today, what we're going on with, stop listening to the news every every hour. Just have five minutes on. Oh, it's the same thing? Okay, we're still in the zombie apocalypse? Okay, good. Turn it off. Spend some time with your kids. Spend some time with your friends. Have a conversation. Read a book. But people are constantly inundated with the news, and it's just feeding that feralness yeah. of, we're all going to die. And we're all going to die 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which we are anyways. But then just turn it off. It's just such a simple thing. You got free time. You got free time. The government's going to give you some money. Yeah. Go enjoy your day. Do it at home. Paint your house. Do something. But it's just, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to, you know, like covering, covering, you know, when you're a kid and you're afraid the ghost is going to get you and you put the covers over your head, like the ghost can't see you underneath the covers. Well, th this is a problem because of the way we're wired as well. I mean, part of what you're describing is the environment. And we've got all this stimulus that's bombarding us. We've got other people that we're dealing with, and they're all freaked out, so that rubs up on us. But see, you can probably get into this a little more. and You can probably explain this better than I can. My understanding is that anxiety becomes, I don't know if self-fulfilling is the right word, but it feeds on itself. So when you're in, in an anxious state, you're looking for stimulus. You get the stimulus, you're freaked out, there's some dopamine that's released, you look for more stimulus, more information, and you're in this pattern where you're just constantly looking for more. The more you have, 
the more you want to look for, and it, it never stops. That's right. You're absolutely right. Then there are there are biological, uh, um, neurological things that happen. The neurochemistry is affected by that, and again, that's a that's a big conversation. Uh, but we know that we produce chemicals that are really our behavior. We're drugs. We produce drugs, even drugs like LSD, adenosine in the brain. That when it's builds up, it we, it puts us in in, a, in an illusionary state. Of just like an, an LSD-like state, a, and people live in that state, and when they come back to life, the real world feels rough to them because they've been living somewhere else. So this endless pursuit of the rush, <clears throat> the rush of, of, of endorphins of all kinds, has made us sick. So that's why when we chill out, when we meditate, when we reset, Take a deep breath. We're able to reconnect. That's why when you sit near the beach quietly for a while and the body really relaxes, your perspective seems to change because you've neutralized or you've created a certain equanimity of the neurobiology, the neurochemistry. And this where meditation again comes into play. And it's only when we're in that state are we really in the moment. Anxiety begets anxiety. It is self-fulfilling. You will look for something until you find it. And then once you find that, the goal is to find the next thing, that reward mechanism. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, yeah, it never being, stops. It keeps being triggered. Yeah, because you'll never satisfy the lust, whether it's uh, the lust for more stuff, for more activity. For just or the conflict. Lust. For what? The lust for conflict. Mm -hmm. People in conflict are in conflict with everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. Always have a complaint. Always have a complaint. And then they seek that out and they complain and they, they have conflict with people that produces more conflict because people defend themselves from you. And so what I'm saying, people want to be a little healthier. They, they want to have a kind of a more wellness model in their life. Just pull away. Go near the beach or go near a body of water or near trees that are just doing what trees do and, and just sit and breathe. Just be quiet for a while. And David's right. The endless news feed. Remember, the news isn't there to serve you. It serves itself. When people are anxious and fearful, they consume. This is a consumer-based culture. It's built on consumerism. So the more fearful you are, the more you hoard, consume, and shop for all manners of things that have nothing to do with survival. So the more you listen to that, the more you can't help but be triggered by it. Mm. And so we, we, we do ourselves a favor by guarding ourselves from that. And uh, you, if you're worried about your immune system, remember anxiety, lack of rest, lack of comfort, do more to undermine your immune system than your neighbor sneezing on you. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. We don't even think about that because so many of the diseases that come out of anxiety, we treat as separate from anxiety, whether it's high blood pressure, all, all the digestive issues. We say, oh, yeah, these are on one side. Our lifestyles on the other, they have nothing to do with one another. Mm -hmm. We can't see the cause and the effect. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's where we do ourselves a favor. So in closing, I would say that there's some exercise. You ask yourself, are you satisfied with your life, with your life? Don't go outside of your life. Don't talk about other people in your life. You privately, intimately, personal, within the self. Are you satisfied with your life? And if you're not satisfied, can you list... Three, four, five, no more than five things that would bring you satisfaction and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And then without relying on other people, can you bring those in life? You look at the problems in your life. How many problems in your life are really about your perspective of things? I have problems in my life, but it's, for me, I'm always working on how I look at situations. It's always centrical. It's never outside. It's always you. Go back to you. And then again, you're wrestling with your ego all the time. And you want to see, well, what can I do to change the way I look at things and look at the people in my life so that I can be at peace, mm -hmm. so I can have grace in my life. And that's something we can all do. When this is all said and done, when the chaos, time of chaos and panic, what will be your personal record of how you behaved? So you're writing your record right now. Did you, you know, beat down people that 
look like they had the virus? Did you run from them? Did you mask? Did you hoard? Did you speak ill of others? Did you think you were clean and they were dirty? Well, own it. Whatever it is, own it. Let's get on with our life. Life is short no matter what happens. If we live another hundred years or another hundred hours, either way we're going to be grasping for that last breath the same. Let's really try to find grace and peace in our life. The problems we have in life are are only complicated because the resolutions are so simple. <laughs> We're done. All right. Yeah, I lost my train of thought. But, uh, Jump back on the train, goddamn it! Close the show. <laughs> you always close the show. Come Watch on. out, people's, people. People yeah. coughing on you. Get on the train quick. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's uh, get back on the train. We have to live. That's the bottom line. We have a finite amount of time on this planet. We're here against all odds. There's so much beauty, so many things that we don't understand, so many wonderful experiences that we can have, connecting with other people, taking time, resting ourselves, developing our skill sets, whatever it is. Our needs aren't that much. And having the perspective to appreciate that is what life is all about. And when we forget that and we get back to this more feral state, we're living in our minds. We're living this continual loop of anxiety. There's never any resolution. It's a huge waste of time, huge waste of energy, and it's a rejection of life itself. So let's step back. Let's practice that gratitude. Let's practice the stillness. Let's feed the primal self with relationships, with meaningful activities. And let's just have the fortitude to step away from the panic and get back to living. There you go. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Every five-star review allows us to share more unique and insightful content. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week. Peace.